Welcome to Triple Trouble, where we talk about our past, present, and future. Today, we're talking about our past. Did you know that if it wasn't for the, the determination of the Americans for westward expansion, America wouldn't be nearly the size it is today? The time prior to the Mexican-American War was critical to the country's development. I'm your host, Kayla Thompson. Let's jump right into it. In 1805, President Thomas Jefferson bought the territory of Louisiana for $15 million, previously owned by the French government. This deal between America and France is known as the Louisiana Purchase. The United States acquired 828,000 square miles of territory spanning from the Mississippi River to the Rocky Mountains and from Canada to New Orleans, doubling the the current land area of our country. The massive addition to the country made Americans feel that their country was strong and important, contributing to their nationalism. President Thomas Jefferson viewed the Louisiana Purchase as key to the national health. There was an ongoing debate on whether or not slavery should be allowed within the territory of Louisiana, and the Missouri Compromise offered a solution to the disagreement. The Missouri Compromise preserved the balance of power between slave and free states, making Mississippi a slave state and Maine a free state, for instance. Americans continued to expand westward into Great Britain's territory, the territory of Oregon, and Mexican territory, California, New Mexico, and Texas. James K. Polk was elected was the elected president, and within a month of his term in 1844, he declared war on Mexico. Polk falsely claimed that the Mexican army had invaded American territory starting the Mexican-American War. Hey, Madison, I think we could benefit from some inside perspective. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you know about the American perspective from James K. Polk? Hey, Kayla. So, yeah, knowing the American perspective is very important to understand why the Mexican-American War happened and, like, what caused it. So I did some more research on the American perspective, and I came across James K. Polk. And James K. Polk was a very determined man with a vision in his mind. And he did some things that weren't the greatest, but to understand why he did what he did, I thought some background information about him would be very important. So James K. Polk was born on November 2nd, 1795 in Pineville, North Carolina. So Kayla, like when you picture North Carolina back then, like what do you picture? I would imagine it to be a lot of farmland. So yeah, definitely lots of farmland, um, trees. They didn't have mansions like we had today. They had small cabins where like the whole family would fit in. And there's just very rural area. And so, you know, back then, James K. Polk, he traveled, he lived in three different states total, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Tennessee. And North Carolina and Tennessee were the two main states that he lived in. And so he grew up mostly in North Carolina, but then him and his family traveled to Tennessee. And traveling back then was very scary because you're in a wagon and a dirt path and there's wild animals. Like Kayla, when you travel, like do you like worry that you would get mauled by an animal? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, No, we are definitely better about those safety precautions. We don't have to worry about those things. Yeah, so, like, they have, like, today we have hotels, we have rest stops. They didn't have that back then. If they had to use the bathroom, it was in the woods or even maybe in the wagon. So they definitely had a lot of concerns and worries when they were traveling. 
but you know they still had that vision of you know the westward expansion that's something they still wanted to happen even though a lot of worries and concerns came along with it so from you know north carolina you know he ended up going to the university of north carolina and he graduated with honors he was a very smart intelligent man growing up and so he graduated in 1818 and then from there pope became a young lawyer and entered the world of politics now the world of politics that just sounds very scary kayla like <laughs> would you enter politics i wouldn't yeah, I don't think I would either. It seems very stressful. But so he entered the world of politics by serving as a legislator for the state of Tennessee. And then from there, he became good friends with Andrew Jackson, who is or who was the president of the United States at the time. And so from his friendship, he became the chief lieutenant for Jackson's bank war. Hey, Kayla, do you know what the bank war is? I do not. Tell me about it. So the bank war was more of a struggle than a war, actually. It was politicians who just couldn't decide whether, you know, there was a need for the Second Bank of America. And so Jackson, he wanted the Second Bank of America, but the other politicians were like, nope. And so it ended with um, becoming a lot of state banks. And so that's what um, Polk helped Jackson with. And so he held Jackson from 1835 all the way to 1839. And that's only a couple of years. But I mean, today, if you look at friendships, friendships end like the snap of your fingers. People who say that will be quickly. So Very being true. able, you know, to help, you know, your president and, you know, your friends for like four years, that's a good amount of time. So he had to stop helping Jackson because he ended up becoming the governor of Tennessee. And so with his new role of governor of Tennessee, he took on like a new power in the government. And from there, he started getting more and more interested in government and started, you know, paying more attention to the new presidential candidates and their viewpoints. And one of the viewpoints that he came across that he did not, he was not fond, fond of was Henry Clay. And so Henry Clay was part of the Whig party. So Henry Clay took the idea a westward expansion out of his campaign and Polk did not like that at all because Polk believed that Texas should be re-annexed and that America should explore and occupy Oregon territory. So Polk's strong belief in the manifest destiny made him run for president. His slogan during his campaign was 5440 or flight, which refers to his ideal views of the manifest destiny. In the year of 1845, James K. Polk became the 11th president of the United States of America. Now that he was president, he could achieve his dream of the Manifest Destiny. Kayla, do you know what the Manifest Destiny is? I have an idea of it, but you could expand on that. (laughs) Yeah, so the Manifest Destiny was that the USA was destined to take over the whole North American continent. Which basically means that, you know, they wanted USA to be this strong power and have all this land and be like this strong force that other countries don't take for granted. So... From there, Polk wanted to re-annex Texas, but Mexico owned Texas, and they were not going to give up. They're not going to give it up. You know, America was throwing money at them, trying to bribe them, but Mexico was like, I'm not taking your bribes. I'm not just going to give up my land. And so Polk would do anything to get that land. He wanted to achieve that vision in his mind. He wanted to achieve the manifest destiny. So he falsely accused Mexico of having their soldiers on U.S. soil and killing U.S. men. And so that started the Mexican-American War. 
And so the whole war took a couple years, and at the end of it, America ended up winning. And from America winning, they gained the Western territories, which today are New Mexico, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, California, Texas, and Western part of Colorado. And so at the end of his presidency, the U.S. that was once just on the Atlantic coast is now from the Atlantic all the way to the Pacific. Polk did not conquer all of North America, but with his determination and his dream in his mind, he expanded the U.S. in triple its size. Kayla, just imagine if we only lived on the Atlantic coast. Like, that's all we, that's all the U.S. had. Just imagine how different life would be. That's a great point. It's a really good thing to think about. I I have no idea how different it would be. All we have this is all we've ever known. So we do have James K. Polk to thank for like how big our country is. So let's move on to the Mexican perspective. Latifa, can you tell us a little bit about that? About Antonio Lopez, who you researched? This is the Mexican perspective about what was happening in the Mexican-American War, and a significant person was Antonio Lopez de Santana Ana Perez de Lebron. He was born in 1792 at Jalapa, Veracruz, Mexico, and he was a Mexican politician and, Mex- and military officer who was significant in leading the Mexican army in the Mexican-American War. Um, uh, a funny thing about Antonio is that he's actually fought more battles than Napoleon and George Washington. And I think that's ironic because he still lost. So, yeah. And, you know, during Antonio's early life, you know, he was in a middle class family. His dad was a Spanish officer. So, like, he didn't really do that much schooling because, you know, he had to go to the army. And he went to the army in 1810. So most of his, like, his teenage life, he, you know, was in the army, the Spanish militia, to be specific. Um, And, you know, he rose to the ranks. And he, at first, was definitely on the side of Spain, fighting against the Mexican independence. But um, with other, you know, army officers, they switched sides to help for the independence of Mexico. In 1828, he started running for president. You know, he used his influence in the army because he is called pretty much the Napoleon of the West. And he became president in 1833. And he was president 11 times. Wow. Yeah, he was president 11 times. So, you know, Mexico really suffered greatly from his presidency because he was a dictator who really wasn't concerned about the needs and the wants of Mexico. Um, despite like his impressive leadership skills, because you would think with somebody that has so much experience with war, that they would at least do much better than they did. But I'm gonna get into that later. <laughs> um, he was pretty much ultimately responsible for the loss of the Mexican-American War, and he lost about one third of Mexico's territory to the U.S. So, like Madison was saying, like, California, Utah, like, all of that was Mexico's, and he lost it to the United States. And, like, a major reason 
the United States was able to even, you know, take advantage of Mexico was because of the civil disturbance caused by him. And, you know, like Madison was saying, James K. Polk did take advantage of the turmoil inside the Mexican government. Because in Mexico, they kind of viewed the war as like the U.S. kind of like bullying Mexico. So they pretty much they named it the U.S. against Mexico. And Mexico was just trying to defend their tenant territory against the U.S. from taking it because, like Madison said, the manifest des- destiny was what James K. Pope wanted, and, like, he really wanted to expand the U.S. So the an- annexation of Texas wasn't a violation of the border rules that they set, so they were pretty much just going over there, and, you know, James K. Pope, you know, accused and then started the war. And I just feel like you kind of have to imagine, like, okay, this is your land, right? And people are coming on your land. And, like, how would you react? I would be angry. I understand. Exactly. So I feel like the U.S. definitely did. I I do agree that they did, like, really help expand the United States. But this really caused, like, a big loss in Mexico because this was so like a passionate war in Mexico like and it was all because of poor leadership skills that's a good point okay so thank you Latifah that was a lot a very interesting insight from you about the struggles Mexican had as the U.S. took their territory okay Madison Latifah thank you so much for your time I've learned a lot for me both and I'm sure you can both say the same would you guys you like know, to I personally appreciate- sign off <laughs> thank you I appreciate the opportunity to share you know the American point of view I agree I do really appreciate sharing the Mexican point of view thank you all once again for tuning into triple trouble we'll see you next time but stick around if you want to see some bloopers Did it start? <laughs> yes. I got it again. Girl, it's going. <laughs> Wait, did you introduce me? Yeah, introduce. Thank you, Kayla. This is the Mexican perspective about what was going on in the Mexican-American War. Um, and a significant person was Antonio Lopez de Santana, Anna Perez de LeBron. He was born in 1972. Oh, 7092. <laughs> restart, restart. <laughs> hey, Kayla. So, yeah, understanding. Shit, I messed up already. <laughs>